0: Hello listeners, it's Natalia Motta here. Thank you for listening to Arta Podcast, which simply shares stories behind art. For the last few months, I've been interviewing one of the most successful artists who based in Hong Kong. So if you are curious, you want to feel inspired or hear how to be an artist in Asia, this podcast is for you. And if you want to learn more about the show, Please visit artaapp.com and don't hesitate to leave me a comment. I would love to hear what you think about the show, what you would like to hear in the future and anything really what is on your mind. Thank you so much. Hi everyone, welcome to episode number 7. This episode is slightly different as this time I will talk with a few very talented local artists who will take part in Affordable Art Fair 2019. For people who are not familiar with this show, Affordable Art Fair is a four-day outlet for mostly emerging artists to show what they are working on and have a chance to find a new audience who will fall in love with their work. This year, you can come and see the exhibitions between 17 and 19 May in Convention Center. For me, and most precisely Arda, this is a great time to showcase the diversity in the local artist scene in Hong Kong. To be more specific, I would like to show how diverse their techniques and materials are, as well as their missions and ideas. With this in mind, I had a pleasure to chat with artists represented by the Red Chamber Gallery. Red Chamber is a gallery which puts a lot of effort and heart to promote their artists. And this shows it was a pure pleasure to work with such a great team of open-minded people so devoted to art. And now... I decide to divide this episode into two parts and group artists based on the materials they are using to produce their art. The first part of the episode will showcase two artists, Christy Chow and Desmond Law. The common element between these two artists is that both of them have been using a new 21st century technologies to create their artwork. Another common element is that both of them are young and craving to experiment by learning completely new techniques and use new materials to play with. The second part of this episode will showcase another two extraordinary artists. I will tell you more about them a bit later on. I just wanted to let you know that I grouped them because they both using traditional mediums such as ink paintings, with a modern twist, truly representing the East meets West spirit. Last but not least, all four artists from both parts of this episode are extremely ambitious, yet their ideas and missions are completely different and it is so refreshing to see how art can be diverse and beautiful in so many different ways. So... It's finally time to introduce you to the first artist, Christy Chow. She's an extraordinary woman, wife and soon-to-be mother. On top of that, Chow is a Hong Kong-based artist who specializes in creating video installations and interactive sculptures that concern humanity, sustainability and social justice. She received the Hong Kong Human Rights Art Prize in 2017 and has exhibited in Hong Kong, United States, Spain and Singapore. During our chat, Christy mentioned a term lenticular print, which is a technology mostly used for 3D displays and as printed images will give us an illusion of depth, or the ability to change or move as the image is viewed from different angles. To understand more about the process and see the artworks, don't hesitate to visit Christy's website. You can find the link in my show notes. And now, without further delays, join my chat with Christy. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for inviting. A pleasure from my side. And I had such a great time to learn about your project. And I look forward to for, for our audience, for our audience, to learn more about, about what you do, because mm-hmm. I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, if you could introduce yourself in your own words, who is Christy? Uh, my name is Christy Chow.
1: And I was born in Hong Kong and I actually brought up in Hong Kong too. Um, I went to the University of Hong Kong and I got my first degree uh, in comparative literature and sociology, which actually I learned a lot about gender, a lot about globalization, and I had a strong interest in it. And um, uh, later on, I started to work um, in Disney as a stage manager for characters parade after I graduate. And then I went to um and then I, I left Disney and then I joined the finance world and then I work as a personal assistant in a front house. Well I actually did my part-time degree too in fine art and then I found my real passion is making art, art project Then I pack up everything and went to Boston for my Master of Fine Art degree and I start to Became a full-time artist, and then I make art uh, in Boston, in New York, and then eventually I came back to Hong Kong and started making art here and became my career now.
0: Wow, such a journey from (laughs) from sociology to finance, and then and then to art. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could you tell us a bit more about your start? Like, how have you discovered? Uh, passion for for this form of art which you do and if you can explain us what what you're actually doing
1: uh of course uh so as i told you like i have a passion and a background in sociology and also all these social phenomenon uh so when i first worked in disney um in a, i worked for about three four years uh, i think there's one show that actually triggers me to think about what to do next so it was a stage showed by um a special event and um it was about cinderella so i i was working on the show and after curing the shows many times and then i started to watch watch the people's you know the, the response to the show so i remember one slice that um the narrators were saying oh in order for Prince Chiming to show his love to Cinderella. Prince Chiming presents his beautiful diamond ring to Cinderella. And I saw the three years old kids down on the stage were like, oh, they were like so sweet. But I was thinking, well, I think there's a problem there. <laughs> Do you teach a kid that diamond or money equals to love, right? And that is the point I think maybe... You know, I should move on and you know think about trying to do something that I think is right. So I jump out from one fantasy world and accidentally enter enter another fantasy world that I thought was a real world. So I jump to the finance world and I thought this is real, but this is not real. It's just another fantasy world of money. So I, I witnessed how people in the industry spend money, you know, have crazy lives, you you know it's it's even more fantasy than fantasy world um then I have an opportunity to actually study a part time art degree, and this what I observed in my social life became my my concept or my idea, and I use art as an as a way to express what i really think um you know, my work in the finance industry as a personal assistant, which I thought, wow, well, I'm running life for someone else instead of running my own life. But through art, I kind of think, wow, well, I found myself. I found what my voice, what I'm trying to say. And I really enjoy making all these art projects. And that's why I start to do pro- art projects, um, and think that, wow, well,
0: I can be a full time artist. No, it's a, it's a, great um way i think uh, to to combine your experience your life experience and and your thoughts regarding uh consumerism and capitalism mm-hmm. and put it into art so something beautiful so combine heavy subject and something beautiful to be more maybe digestible mm. like if if, uh, if i am correct yeah um yeah and um could you tell us what you are going to show on the affordable art fair this time uh of course uh but before
1: i told you what the piece is exactly about yeah. i think it's actually a long story behind because it is um i can describe a—is a—is a is a is a more um is a lenticular print so from one side you would see um work harder or work faster. And then you walk to the other side and then you see, great job, well done. And it was all very colorful and it's all framed with color LED lights. Uh, so the idea of this piece is actually from my installation series, Laborland. So Laborland first started when I was in Boston. Um, I I grew up in Hong Kong, as I told you before, and I my mother was a housewife. And she used to went to a factory nearby and bring stuff back home and work on it and bring it back to the factory and exchange for money. Uh, I was thinking factory intensive labor was once so close and so normal in my life. But when I grew up in the 90s, all these factories in Hong Kong started to move up north to mainland China. And once I thought it was so normal to my life, it's beca- it became so far away. And... And then we forgot that everything that we wear, everything that we use were made by someone else. Um, so I was trying to experience that kind of intensive labor again. So I took a piece of um, secondhand shirt in Gap fast fashion shirt. And I was told that this shirt was sewn by a sweatshop worker in 15 minutes. And I want to re-experience her labor. So I took that shirt and then I took a seam ripper and then I removed every stitches one by one and counting each stitches in Cantonese and I recorded the whole thing. So I eventually spent four and a half hours removing 3745 stitches and then I put the shirt back together and projected the video on it and I named this piece D-stitching. Um, after I finished the piece I was actually asking myself a question. Why am I doing this? Why, am I, why do I want to experience this intensive labor? And the more I think about this, the more I think my action is very perverse, but it's very satisfactory to myself. And I think, oh, wow, maybe intensive labor, which was once so close to my life, we're so far away right now that I exoticized it. And it became something that I actually want to experience it. Almost like an entertainment. So when I think about, you know, my previous background, I used to work in a theme park. Then I was like, wow, I can actually create a theme park that use labor as a subject. That, you know, everyone goes to the theme park, experience all these rides or all these games that use intensive labor. Because using physical labor, it's just so we're just not so used to use our intensive labor anymore. Mm. Think about why people sign up gym membership. Why do we want to run on a treadmill? Do people in right. Bangladesh want to run on a treadmill after they spend 12 hours in the factory? No. So I think <laughs> this is, it is the beginning of the labor land. And uh, one of the installations that I made for labor land is called Come Run In Me. So it is... Um, large scale installation looks like a human sized hamster wheel instead of a hamster wheel is actually a treadmill in the middle and there's projections on the wheel so there's voice say come come run in me and turn me on so when an audience were attracted to run on the treadmill suddenly the projections on and he's realized that he is entering a world of a video game so the game is about a an intensive labor subject that you know there's a lab, there's a woman using her hand to mix something. And um so the faster you run, you can use your physical labor to labor someone to work for you to finish a task. Mm. So you finish the first task, the second task, the third task, and the fourth task. You just finish every task and by keep running on it. So it's an interesting game, and in in the game. Sometimes it would push you and say, work faster, work faster. Sometimes they would say, oh, you're halfway done. Good job. Keep going. And with all this electronic music, this video games, and then you think, oh, I'm attracted into this and you keep running. So when you step out, you stop. And then they would say game over and say, do not stop and keep running. So then people were attracted. Okay, now I'm I'm game over. Now I should start the game again. Mm-hmm. So... I, I extract part of this installation um, because this is how I think about the world of capitalism, the metaphor of it. Like We are just one small hamster running in this world of capitalism and we are chasing something that the, the system wants us to chase for. For example, keep buying materials, keep buying cars, houses, keep upgrading our lives keep moving up the career ladder. But um, are we running on the ground, like on the same spot, or are we going somewhere? This is my question. Um, and that's why I think one of the things that keep us in this system is the constant praising and pushing factor. Like you, you were told that you're not good enough, you need to work harder, but at the same time, you were rewarded by this material. Or rewarded by you know people say you're doing a good job I'm going to give you a career promotion you know so that it keeps mm-hmm. it in the loop mm-hmm. and I think this is constant praying and pushing factor became I, I, I extracted it from the piece and then I turn it into Atlantic Clip prints and create this piece that you know you can always put it at home or you know you, you walk through and then sometimes I see it tell me work harder sometimes it tell
0: me I'm doing a good job <laughs> it's a very smart way, and it's also um am very like just overwhelmed by amount of different techniques and uh materials which you are using for your presentation and work and it's so high tech uh, um it's it's really really great and and I think the the entire idea of showing something so beautiful and meaningful in the same time. It's, it's just something which is uh, definitely missing in, uh, in our world. So another question is what you would like people to get from it. If, if you could tell us what would be your mission, uh, what you would uh, to tell your audience.
1: Before I answer this question. So for me, visual art, you know, using visual, it's also a visual language um when we speak we spoke a language uh we tell you the meaning right we tell you what i want to say but sometimes you there's meaning behind your words um for official language it's very it's similar it's but you're just presenting the same idea using something more official but the i but the good thing is say for example if you have you want to describe your emotion. You can use certain vocabularies. Mm-hmm. Sad, happy, content, you know, all these yeah. vocabularies. But there are so many more emotions that cannot be described using a language. It's always in between. But I think facial language can can achieve this. And and also I show you something and what you get, you doesn't have to tell me what you 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 get. Um so as you, t- I told you, like my artwork, it's about um, the social issues, about, you know, the, uh, the sustainability, about social justice, and also about some gender, gender issues. Um, but I never told you like, oh, what exactly I want this piece to tell you? Because I think it's important for the audience to actually get it from the piece. So the way that I see myself making art is myself as a facilitator. I'm creating something to assist someone to experience it. But what kind of experience that I can create for you is not something I can control and I don't want to control. I don't want, I because I don't know what you think. I don't know what is important to you, right? But I hope something can click and then you can get something from me that is important from you. So this is how I see art um In my art work and how I want to achieve um what I want to achieve in through my art
0: perfect great and um is there anything uh so you, you already touched few very important subjects such as uh mm-hmm. uh gender issues what would you like to do next um if we are talking about future plans if that's not a secret, what would be the next project?
1: Uh, there is something that I'm constantly reading. I'm so interested in it. It's about human intelligence. Mm-hmm. Since I think it's some subjects that we... It's unavoidable. It's happening. When I talk about labor, now you see here is some labor that is, is, exists right now. Mm-hmm. Physical labor, you know, our labor, that our mental labor. We're using our own labor to earn money. But when you... there's so many people already... Nowadays, talking about how AI can replace human beings in all our jobs. Mm-hmm. When you're thinking about back in the old days when industrialization took so many people's jobs away using machines. Now we're facing another problem that we, our job will be all replaced by robots. And what we think was irreplaceable can all be replaceable even artists. So there are already projects and talk about, you know, how to use computer to paint, to compose music, Mm -hmm. to make art. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so interesting that everyone of us is like facing a threat that we're losing our jobs. But Mm -hmm. is that really important, right? You know, what is job? Like what is, if we lose our job, what kind of world it would create it to us? Do we own, I think there's so many author, you know, writers talking, write books about these issues already. But I think in the art world, it's not quite. I always think artists are, you know, very forward-looking, you know, they're very yeah. avant-garde.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm actually trying to explore this subject more and to think about, you know, uh, labor, human intelligence, and also mm-hmm.
0: the future of artists. It's such an interesting subject. Um, and yeah, and we are so kind of afraid to lose our job, but it's actually so many jobs which no one wants to do, right? Mm. And we, in the same time, it's like this, this fight in our our brain, literally. It's like, oh, so I don't want to do that job, but I want to have a job because obviously we need to leave. So how to, uh, how to win with the system? Like, is there any like gold um, egg where we may not need to work, but mm. at the same time, we have money to have a great life and, and just enjoy it, right? Yeah, so but, it's like but also
1: if entertainment is the only thing that we think we want in our life too, right? And we want to try to do something more meaningful. Yeah. So with losing our job also means that we're not doing something that we thought it was meaningful, if your job is meaningful to you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's interesting to think about if I just spend every day watching movie, playing, you know, food, drinks, hang out with friends, would that kind of life that you want to be, too, I think this right. is an interesting thing to think about.
0: Absolutely. And mm. then what other problems we have, right? Because this will create, like if we're ready, rid read of something which we spend, like, more than half of our life, we are mm. working all the time. Especially, I think here in Hong Kong, we are mm. quite in, in, intense with mm. this. Like what we uh, do this is what you just said. It's yeah. like um, how many Netflix shows can be produced? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and um, when you start to work on your project, do you have any routine uh, before you start or uh, during creating something new?
1: Uh, Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I always do research first. Mm -hmm. So something that I'm interested to work on, I start doing research, you know, in the internet, ask people around, look at books and stuff. Then I start have a plan. But, you know, this plan, eventually, I would also accept the the factor of um, spontaneous, right? I, I can also, like, think, okay, I can always change the plan, but since I have all this material here gathered here in my brain and also I think about the right material to use if the material is, is new to me, I have to learn how to use it or how to, you know, how to work with it. So it's always this routine of constant learning that I really enjoy. Learning about a new subject, learning about more information about this subject and learning about how to mm-hmm. use new material. And mm-hmm. then I create something.
0: Okay. And in point of, um, your routine when you are actually doing a project, like, mm. do you, do you work every day or is it more when you feel inspired, you would work long hours, uh, but then have three days break? Like, how, how do you like to structure your work if there is any structure?
1: Um, yeah, I try to work a certain hours a day. I think it's important to, for an artist to have a discipline. And especially if you're a full-time artist, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy just to go to the cafe and sit all day and think, okay, a day passed. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to do this. Uh, But of course, sometimes you have deadlines, you have a project or you have an idea that I want to execute so much. I can work all day, sometimes even weekends. You know, there's a passion in it when you're really in love with your job. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you think, oh, I just, my my brain is just so blank. I need inspiration. I need something. And one of the best thing that I love as an artist is artist residencies. So uh, I I try to have at least one artist residencies each year. So probably I spend a month somewhere else. Um, Sometimes I go to the States, different part of the US. I go to Europe. And every time I go, I, 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 I saw so many new things. I got so inspired, and then I talked to other artists in 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 the other parts of the world. And it's always good because sometimes being artist is lonely. Mm-hmm. You just feel like I don't have a colleagues, right? But sometimes you need to talk to someone, especially someone like a coworker that you can work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. During artist residencies, we always share our our ideas and we always give one another's critique too and suggestion like, oh, what kind of material you can try? Oh, yeah, I think this material is working Mm -hmm. better in this way. Mm -hmm. And also you see how artists work and also you see the cultures in different countries. It's always so much inspiration when I came back from artist residencies.
0: Oh, Awesome. That's a really good tip for... People who actually want to start probably to also explore different cultures and and uh, go out and talk to people and talk to other artists as well.
2: Yeah,
0: um, yeah very very good. Um, so talking about your inspiration, so it's mostly when you travel. What about Hong Kong? Like, would you say that Hong Kong also motivates you or inspires you to do your your art? I think I'm so
1: because I grew up here, uh-huh. um, sometimes when you do the same thing again and again and again every day, you just think this is not something that is inspiring anymore. So in order to found inspiration in Hong Kong, I first need to leave this place for a short period of time. When I came back, that kind of, I would describe, as like a culture shock, right? When you go yeah, back yeah, to yeah, your yeah, old yeah. place, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that the thing in this way. Or you know what, I didn't really look at this in this angle before. So I think Hong Kong is always inspiring. It's just my mind. Like I need to refresh my mind mm-hmm. in order to come back new, like almost like a foreigner. Yeah. And then I see the thing and then I got inspired. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's Hong Kong is inspiring. It's just like I need to refresh my my brain, <laughs> my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, great. I think um, basically that's it. What I would like to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, And I look forward to see you next week on the Affordable Art Fair. Um, Last but not least, where your fans can find you offline and online? So if you can tell us about your presence. Yeah, sure. Um, I have a website,
1: uh, www.christy.chow.com or you can follow my Instagram at
0: christy.chow.art. We all will perfect mm-hmm. and you have also amazing studio in um Won't you can't. Won't you can't jesus always forget the name um and it's really really cool it's a it's a quite kind of interesting building as well because it's uh it was old industrial building and mm-hmm. now it's uh, mm-hmm. uh it's 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 modern mm-hmm. but still industrial feel like uh, mm-hmm. building and uh, and you mentioned that you are one of the finalists of uh, of foundation who it's kind of uh, sponsoring uh part in the space which you are in right yeah, yeah the, the art development council
1: yes yeah they they are helping artists um there are multiple programs now here in hong kong some artist space here in mong there's two in Kuntong, tong and there's another one coming up in tai po so um yeah artist is lucky
0: right now <laughs> yes yes and it's, it's we are so uh, happy to, to have this uh, foundations and organization which which mm. want to support uh, mm. art great thank you so much for your time thank you natalie for your interview <laughs> thank you hope you enjoyed christy's story and now i would like to introduce to you our second guest desmond law Desmond is a multimedia artist who worked as a motion graphic designer and visual effect artist. He is currently the creative director of MMM Studio, which specializes in content creation and branding for DJs and music artists. Inspired by the cyberpunk aesthetic of movies such as Blade Runner or Akira, Desmond Law's creations shows Hong Kong that is at the same time familiar yet distant. If you are not familiar with the term cyberpunk, it is a type of science fiction in a futuristic setting that tends to focus on a combination of low life and high tech. Futuring advanced technological and scientific achievements such as artificial intelligence with a degree of breakdown or radical change in the social order. Law brings together a number of cga renders, images produced entirely by the power of new technology yet the images are so real you may think it is a photography from the future. I talked with Desmond about what he tries to preserve with his artworks and what are the challenges he faced with the new social media as a young artist. We will also talk about black and white photography, which Desmond recently rediscovered and brought back to his daily life. I really enjoy our talk, so without further delays, enjoy my conversation with Desmond Law. Desmond, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for inviting me.
0: Um, I have a few questions. Um, And first of all, if you could describe yourself in your own words, who is Desmond?
2: So, um, hi, everybody, I'm I'm Desmond. Uh, I'm currently the creative director of MMM Studio. Uh, We specialize in content creation, such as music videos, visuals for DJs and artists. Um, I, myself, used to be a uh, motion graphics designer and I do a lot of uh, animation or uh, 2D motion graphics um, and on the side I also take photos and I make uh, renders, like CGI renders mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, could you tell us a bit more about your background? Are you from Hong Kong?
2: Um, I was born in the United States um, and then I came back, I grew up here Um, I studied here until year 9 and then I went over to the UK I went to boarding school and then from there I went to uni and did um, animation and then in 2012 I came back and did my masters here in Hong Kong at the City University uh, in creative media
0: Oh,
2: and yeah, afterwards, got my first job, uh, worked as an animator, and then switched jobs and then started working in visual effects for movie post-production. Mm-hmm. And after that, I uh, <laughs> became a motion graphics designer for a creative agency called The Collective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And talking about your work of uh, graphic design and also with uh, street photography. So could you tell us more about your style?
2: Sure. Um, so both of these like photography and these renders that I make, they're both uh, just they started off as hobbies. So but since like in the four bar fair, we're showcasing um, my renders, I'll talk more about that um, for, for the renders. They're actually all computer-generated, so nothing you see in them are photographic or uh, 2D. So what I mean by that, they're all made in a computer in an animation software called Cinema 4D. And the reason why they look so real is because of uh, the render engine that I use called Octane Render. And they uh, the engine, it can replicate uh, physically accurate light so like lights you see in the real world you can like recreate that in uh, the, the the software that makes the reflections the shadows look super real and super photorealistic um so the reason why i started doing these like renders i actually i used to do them every day for like a year so what started what made me start it was because i wanted to get better at the animation software that I was using because I was using it for work. So I kind of have to get better at it. Um, and I was also inspired by um, this guy called Mike Winkleman. He uh, he's known by his uh, artist named Beeple on Instagram. And he was like, I would say he's like the godfather of everyday renders. And he did one for 12 years nonstop and hasn't missed a day. So that was more like an inspiration for me. Uh, so that's how I got started doing it every day and i did it for about like a year or so and obviously i I missed a couple days (laughs) i couldn't do it every day (laughs) um so that was like my personal project and these are where my renders came from but sort of to backtrack um i used before all the renders and everything i used to do a lot of photography um like shooting street um there was a time where i used to like i was dumb and I, i i shoot a lot of pictures on rooftops like like Mm-hmm. daredevil stuff <laughs> and uh so but now i'm because i have having done the renders um and you know i've been there done that and i see it like sort of because the programs are quite accessible so i see more and more people doing it so for me like it kind of got saturated at a point and i kind of got a little bit bored about it so now i'm focusing back more on street photography uh, trying to work on my composition uh and like lighting uh in terms of trying to make things look more cinematic like mm-hmm. i think that's more, more where i'm gearing towards um mm-hmm. but i'm again because i can i can do like a bunch of different things so i'm leaving my i wouldn't limit myself in doing one particular thing mm-hmm. i'm sort of leaving my uh options open mm-hmm. um, and Absolutely. yeah and i don't think like anyone needs to like be like just because they can do something doesn't mean they have to like just do one thing, like, it's, I mean, because I, I easily. Really, so yeah. like for me, I need like yeah. multiple outlets. <laughs>
0: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and you are great at everything what you touch, I have to say. and uh, <laughs> Just to answer uh, to your point, I actually thought that your renders are, are uh, pictures and it, it was such a surprise that that you just created this from the simple one pixel, one, yeah. you know, vector line so it's it's just incredible uh, how you can work with technology as well this what you mentioned like the pictures which you do um, you can see straight away that you have this talent and eye to what to capture and therefore my next question would be what do you like to capture actually the most and what is the mission of uh, when when you are doing street Mm -hmm. photography or renders what what do you like to show
2: Um i used to be very very like picky in in terms of what i shoot like there was a time where i would only shoot like uh oh there was a time where i would shoot a lot of like popular spots i think everyone like like, in hong kong especially there's a lot of iconic spots that people Mm -hmm. would shoot but then after a while they got kind of cliche and they got kind of like boring because everyone was shooting them Mm -hmm. and for me that was not challenging at all like i mean it's okay to start somewhere but then like if that's all you know and you're like retracing your own footsteps that then you're not like you're not growing you're not like learning anything new so for me now um in terms of subject because i mean i i used to shoot a lot of neon signs too because i love neon signs and because they're being taken down really fast and i want to like sort of preserve them but they're getting taken down faster than i can shoot them so that's also like kind of leads into where my render comes in But in terms of just photography, like now what I shoot, like the subjects, they can be anything. Normally, I like to include people in them because I feel like um, they just feel kind of naked without people. Mm -hmm. Whether they're like close-up, like faces or like silhouettes in in the frame, like service, like a subject. Uh, I always like to shoot people. Like If I have like a shot that's interesting, I always wait for someone to walk past and Mm -hmm. like just to capture it. Because it gives like uh, like the scale like the Mm -hmm. idea of scale in in, in, in the photo and that sort of translates over to like my renders like so you always see like a little person in there like some people are like oh who is that like what is he doing like is that you Uh, so sometimes like uh like people read like really deep into my renders and they think oh like it it Mm -hmm. represents like loneliness or whatever and i'm like no it's just the guy's just there for scale you know how big and small everything is really in relation to the person so it's like you know
0: Oh, so you don't do poetry out of your renders? Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think people just like to find meaning in things and, mm-hmm. like, and, and that's fine. But for me personally, I, I don't think you need to read too much into certain things. Sometimes it is what it is. For me, for me doing renders every day, mm-hmm. it's hard to have like a super deep meaning. Like obviously mm-hmm. some of them I have something I want to say, mm-hmm. but some of them are, are, are just a guy looking at things like this, nothing crazy behind idea i think my philosophy is like if something looks nice and it's like aesthetically aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. then sometimes that's okay i mm-hmm. mean human Absolutely. beings like to look at nice things and not everything has to be super deep with like life like like changing revelations and you know <laughs> all Absolutely. that. so for my renders uh because like photography i can only capture so much um so a lot of my renders, I like to add a lot of um, like neon signs and like uh, Hong Kong, like sort of culture. Like if you look at my photos, they, they remind you of Hong Kong. So that's kind of where I want to um, what I want to express in my renders, and I'm very influenced by like cyberpunk, like works like Blade Runner, like Ghost in the Shell. So that also like added to the sort of general aesthetic. Um, because I try to shoot cyberpunk as well. Mm-hmm. So I try to make my photos look like something you would see in, in in Blade Runner. But then again, it was more like the color edits and after a while it became very unnatural. It became very like it became boring, so I mm-hmm. moved over to renders. And then that became boring, sorry. I, I came full circle and I came back to like street photography.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to be your next stage. Maybe maybe so i do not like future. like mm-hmm. right now
2: I'm I'm more into the minimalistic um, it's like black and white sort of photography so like very just hard shapes that's that's created by shadows or like just architecture which is kind of hard to do in Hong Kong because there's a lot of clutter but Mm -hmm. um, but the the times when I do find it is usually very different from what you know I see normally on Instagram like I mentioned Instagram a lot because it's like where I sort of it's like my major like outlet I mm-hmm. don't really have a YouTube channel um, so I, when I post I post a lot of it on my Instagram and that's where I sort of see what other people are doing like what's trendy or trending um, and part of me just wants to stay away from it and part of me is like sort of thinking like, is instagram as whole, well as like a, a social media platform is it good or bad for for my create creativity and i mean there's there's good and bad but you know i'll leave, I'll leave that for the individual people who are using it to to judge
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. so you mentioned uh could you could you explain us a bit more because we talked about this before the interview mm. why do you think that instagram it's a bit stop you from discovering or exploring new techniques
2: so there's a couple things with instagram um it's the way you interact with the platform uh obviously everything is run run by like an algorithm so it learns your behavior so for example if you post a certain type of photo let's say if you're into food photography or if you're into like um like shooting travel photos So Instagram has a way of of, of looking at that and suggesting more of the similar content on your explore page so you interact with people that are similar and the more you post something the more it encourages you to post something so let's say uh, me for example I used to post a lot of my renders on, on Instagram like every day and they're all very vibrant in color they have like neon signs and all that stuff so I know those will do well when I post them like the engagement is usually really good and what I mean is like usually people will say there, there used to be a rule of thumb. I don't know how true it is. Like your average engagement should be like your like count. That's what they say. It's like 10% of your follow count. That, that's mm-hmm. like the, the, the quote unquote normal. Someone is doing really well. It could be triple that. It could be like quadruple that. Um, sometimes like you know it, when it's blowing up. So for as an artist, that's like the, the validation or the recognition is like, cool, like people are liking my stuff. So you feel this high, right? so you're more inclined to make something that's a similar style to sort of keep going keep riding that and that's nothing wrong with that because like everybody like likes some sort of validation there's there's nothing wrong with that especially with artists you want people to like your work that's where the sort of slippery slope comes in that's where it gets dangerous because like you get funneled into doing the same thing and when you do something else, let's say for me, when I switch over to posting black black and white photos, the engagement drops. Now I only get like one percent of my like follower like liking my stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: but does that mean the work is bad? No, it just means like Instagram's telling you, hey, people, like this is very different from what you normally post, or like yeah. so it's trying to get you. It's, it's not showing that to people because yeah. they don't. It doesn't think that people want to see this kind of thing. Yeah. so what it's trying to do is like sort of getting you to post you know yeah. what, you, what you're good at so i actually tried this so like i post black and white for a while going back to posting renders it merely does like like super well so for me i like now i used to be really caught up with the numbers because everybody like, likes numbers like but then after all i just became pointless because i see what it's trying to do and for me like I'm not growing or learning if I do the same thing over and over again so f- I just said like fuck it <laughs> I'm just gonna do whatever <laughs> good good um, good absolutely uh mm-hmm. and because I I want to tell people I, I I made a point too because some people always like even my followers they, they sometimes comment be like oh I used to follow you for your renders I used to like your renders a lot like what happened like why are you posting like photos that look like they they're taken on like a potato um and i would say because i've been there and done that i sort of like this i wouldn't even call myself an as artist as a content creator i want to be always do, moving forward and doing something different like sometimes it might not be like a hit it might be a miss like because this all part of an experimentation of um and i want especially people who follow me who like my stuff like i want you to be there for this part of the journey mm-hmm. so I mean, it might not be a hundred times what you want to see, but for me, that's interesting, and that's like pro- progress for me. So, um, yeah. So I always tell people like just ignore the external validation because realistically, it doesn't mean anything. Absolutely. And like, you just have to be do what you find interesting. If you find it interesting, people will find it interesting, like regardless of how many likes you get, like because it's genuine, and
0: exactly yeah and <laughs> you are very brave uh, i think a lot of people are uh cut in this box and they they are afraid to try well, because this is what you just said they are just afraid to hear the the bad comments like oh i don't like it i don't really go i mean back to this a part of it is
2: also like because instagram is such a popularity contest and you get like the more popular photographers or, or even like they call it influencers now uh, they get brand endorsements. They get like free products. They get to like flown over the world. So this is the yes. glamorous side of Instagram that people, a lot of people want, which is weird because like, for me, I never really want to be like a sort of like celebrity. Okay, like that's not never not something that ever mm-hmm. come across or like I aim to be. I just want to make stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but I know a lot of people that sort of wants that fame wants that glory but um i guess that is what dictate what they're doing but it's weird because uh sometimes people want to get be famous but they don't know what they want to be known for so yeah but the thing is fame and like all this fame and like fortune they're like uh i'm I'm quoting banksy here because he said this fame and fortune they're like a byproduct of of what you do. Like <clears throat> you don't make art or you don't make a movie just because you want to win an award. Like those come because you made a good artwork, you made a good movie. So the phenomenon now is like people just want to be famous, but they don't know for what. So it's kinda of like going to a restaurant and eating just because you want to take a shit. So it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's Absolutely. it's it's
2: it, it's kind of hard to like wrap your head around the analogy like it's kind of i don't know how good it is but um for for, for me it, it's just kind of it got a bit pointless so i'm yes. just i just want to do my own thing yes,
0: yes, yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great answer thank you so much for i don't that. i don't know <laughs> I'm, just, I'm
2: just like rambling so feel free to cut that out if you want
0: no no i'm not going to cut that yeah. it's <laughs> awesome mm. And now I would like to go back to to the affordable art fair, which mm-hmm. will happen uh, very soon. So could you tell us what you will exhibit there?
2: So I'm exhibiting, I think, 13 pieces from my uh, everyday render project. So um, these guys at uh, Red Chamber Gallery, uh, Lisa and Fiona, they helped me uh, pick out like 13 pieces. And um, these are more orientated around like uh they all have like a concurring theme it's like more like the cyberpunk or like hong kong uh sort of neon like urban themed Uh renders um and they like by looking at them you sort of like see a lot of familiar hong kong scenes but at the same time they're very surreal so because a lot of them are like really old buildings being stacked like super high like as high as skyscrapers or like you see Streets like filled with neon lights that necessarily doesn't like exist anymore so um yeah so these 13 pieces or like sort of correlate like sort of like you know relate to one another mm-hmm.
0: um is it all like a daily scene from and it's mostly about hong kong or do um, also are you influenced by other uh, other cultures
2: i think mostly is hong kong it's what i normally see or what i at least what i want to see in Hong Kong that sadly some of them don't exist anymore like the neon signs because I love neon signs and I think they're what make Hong Kong iconic but sadly they're being torn down for various reasons and I think it's a shame because like I think it's Hong Kong's losing its identity by doing this and I think that's the stuff that tourists wants to see when they come here and not like shopping malls or whatever mm. so for me I try to preserve them like which with whatever method I can be like photography or like these renders so um a lot some of these renders have a lot of neon signs in them and I think like just by looking at them you know the first thing you think about is Hong Kong and then like you know that the person who creates it it's he's from Hong Kong Mm -hmm. um and a lot of them is like influenced by um sort of like sceneries in Hong Kong like so some of them like is inspired by the the, the what transformer building that people call like Yik Fat mm-hmm. uh, in Quarry Bay mm-hmm. um, but obviously like a different twist to it so it's not like you, what you normally see from photos um, and yeah that's about it
0: awesome and um, <clears throat> you so you mentioned about the nouns um, Would you say that it's your favorite piece which you would like to show or would you like to talk about any other piece which is very close to your heart
2: Mm, i think there's three big ones that's going to be framed or like showcased Mm. in particular and that the rest are like in the catalog so the one in particular like very much is called compression it's the one where the little guy there's a little guy down there and there's like a lot of neon lights um and that one's like my favorite. And that's also the one that sort of um, did the best on Instagram. And mm-hmm. it actually sparked a lot of controversy on, on Instagram. Like there are these um, photographers like, because it got like, this is a thing on Instagram that your you, your photo is, people like your photo, they, they feature it. They have, there's these feature pages that like would feature your your, your work. And um, I think one particular page who focuses mostly on photography, they featured uh this particular piece and a lot of photographers like street i think they're mainly street photographers they, they saw it and they're like oh like this is a disgrace to photography like this guy he can just make it in his own home he doesn't even have to go out and like take real photos and i'm like but, but i do take real photos so i don't know for me it was kind of ironic but um yeah that was that that was that was what caused a lot of buzz in this photo because it got f- featured on multiple pages mm-hmm. and then um I don't know, I started getting like messages and stuff like that people keep saying oh it's fake and I was like I know it's fake it's <laughs> so anyway <laughs> it doesn't matter um but I like this one yes, because it's fake <laughs> I
0: made it myself yeah it I made fast. it
2: like with the with the computer like you know <laughs> oh wow so um that's the one I like in particular like with this backstory because like, I can tell this story and, and like just because I like the vibrant colors and like, I just like how everything comes together and it's also the first print that I sold to someone, like oh, like from my personal exhibition that was back in February. Um, so someone came, they saw it, they wanted it to be uh, their wife's uh, birthday present. So that's the first print I ever sold. And that's like a sort of, uh, I wouldn't say milestone, it's more like a fond memory. <laughs> yeah
0: well it, it is kind of a milestone right so it's, it's not I a know. hobby anymore it's, yeah it's because like more than that yeah, yeah none,
2: none of this actually i didn't anticipate any of this when i was starting off because i never thought of holding an exhibition I never thought of um selling prints or because i don't even call myself an artist it's more like uh I, I, i'm just a guy that makes images on the internet and it's not like you know um and it's sort of one thing led to another and here, like this is where I am, and all this was kind of like an experience, and that I did not expect, and it's just been crazy. Mm. And um, I don't know where it's gonna lead, um, but whatever, wherever it is, um, I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I I have so far, and you know, it's uh, it's been great.
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. Besides of Instagram, where your fans could uh, find you offline and online
2: absolutely nowhere <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i'm mostly because i don't even have time for instagram that much but instagram is like my main um like you can say outlet you can find follow me on uh dot l o. and uh, if you want to see me and come talk to me in real life you can come to the Ford watch for i'll be at booth c16 with red chamber gallery amazing and i think I'll, i should be there oh i want to be there like i don't know i'll be there for opening day but um if i see you if you see me or if you recognize me come say hi and i'm happy to talk to explain more about my work
0: absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. and uh, i'm i'm so glad that we had a chance to meet before the big show no problem. uh and i look forward to see you there
2: thank you thanks for having me on the podcast and uh you know, looking forward to uh, seeing you all of you at the at the fair. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Christie and Desmond in this part of this episode. It was so much fun to interview them, and I would like to thank you again, Red Chamber Gallery for the opportunity to hear the beautiful stories of their artists but please stay with me in another 24 hours i'm going to publish second part of episode number seven uh, with two incredible artists who are focused on more traditional media such as ink painting and and they have really interesting stories so worth the lesson And hope to see you on the affordable art fair this week. (laughs)